Welcome to the Founders Community Podcast. I'm your host, Billy Bennett. Today's guest is Sean Reichert, founder of Old Gambler Beef Jerky. You can find them at ogbeefjerky.com and on social media at ogbeefjerky. Reminder, you can find this podcast for free on iTunes, SoundCloud, and at our website, thefounderscommunity.com. You can also check us out on Instagram at thefounderscommunity. Sean, uh, welcome, uh, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining here today. Yeah, Billy, thank you so much, man. I look forward to it. This is really the first step into the podcast world, so I'm always excited. Nice, nice. Well, hey, let's uh, let's jump right into it. Uh, tell us a little bit about you. Uh, well, yeah, my name's Sean. Uh, I started OG Beef Jerky. Um, I moved down to Austin about seven years ago, originally from Kentucky. Uh, I work in the liquor industry on the day-to-day. I've been doing that pretty much. I graduated school in 2011 from the University of Kentucky. Go Cats, always. Uh, with an accounting degree and a management degree, I did uh, energy trading, ethanol futures for about a year and a half. I said, all right, well, this is not really what I want to do. So I moved out to Lake Tahoe, uh, was a ski bum for about a year, then moved to Maine, was working the national park up there for about a year. And then I said, okay, now time to go back to the real world. Got a job uh, down here in the liquor industry and kind of been here ever since. I started Old Gambler about four years ago. It's been about five years since initial idea to conception but here we are now slowly ticking along as we're getting close to quitting the day job but not quite yet gotcha gotcha well, i like that lake tahoe great place and then was it acadia national up there in maine was that it yeah in, indeed right there in bar harbor working the national nice. park doing a, doing a mixture of everything from serving in the restaurant to doing trail preservations or to working in the gift shop it was a jack of all trades master of none kind of situation Nice. I can't imagine a much better place in the summer when it's all hot down here and you go up there and it's perfect temperature. Oh, it's, it's kick-ass. It's crazy because it's truly the national park for everybody in Boston, Philadelphia, mm-hmm. New York. But it's a different, it was a completely different vibe. I thought I was going to keep sticking on the kind of seasonal work trail and kind of looked around. And I was like, oh man, I'm like 23 years old. Everyone I work with was like, dude, we're going to keep doing this. Like, and I was like, <laughs> oh, hanging out with everybody is 30, 30. I was like, okay, well, I came from a different world at that point. So it's fun. Nice. Nice. Well, glad you got to get that experience. Um, certainly look back and be like, that's, that was really worth it. Um, I'm a little jealous. I didn't do that. <laughs> you say that. No, um, fun. <laughs> so you talk, uh, this is a side gig for you right now and you've been doing it for what about three, four years, you said? Yeah. So four, so be four years since like true inception from first farmers markets, kind of where we're at now. Um, yeah, it started kind of as a little passion project. I was, from working in the liquor industry, I cover pretty much all of from from Waco down to Brownsville to the border. So it's like I basically live in my car a lot of time, and I was like trying to stay healthy, trying to trying to stay fit. And I was like, man, there's literally no gas station snacks besides like almonds or beef jerky where you can say, all right, no sugars, like heavy heavy protein, drink a ton of water, no like because that's a big part for me. And I was like, I've been making beef jerky forever, like why is the same stuff that I've always made not the same? Why is there 45 different ingredients in the back of all these labels? Like that was the biggest thing for me. Or why does, why does this jerky have 22 grams of sugar per serving yet? I've never put anything with sugar into jerky that I've made. Granted, it's a lot longer of a process, which is always the fun part. And that's, that was always the issue. I had like my dehydrator and growing up, like from hunting and stuff, we would always just dehydrate ourselves. And I was like, well, I'm like doing this too much. I'm like, this is too, it's too simple of an idea. And 
I was just foolish enough to start it thinking there was an easy, easy market to enter, mm-hmm. which I learned very quickly is not the case, but we kind of <laughs> grinded out and met some really cool people along the way. And, um, yeah, we just crossed over. We just opened up our second production facility. So it's a full USDA production facility and, uh, just crossed over 125 accounts and just opened up our first like four regional accounts with multiple locations. So it's, it's growing steadily. Now it's like just kind of continuing, like how do we continue the growth? How do we continue figuring out how to scale this up where it still makes sense? Cause there's, there's so many pitfalls along the way. I've granted, I've made plenty, but it's uh yeah, we're still here. We're still moving, which is great. I like that. Yeah. Now I like the fact that you personally found it, you know, a problem. Like I can't find this stuff where, where I'm traveling and I'm sure other people have that as well. And I've, I've definitely been there too, where you have to kind of choose the least evil there at the gas station. I'm sure, you know, it tastes good, but yeah, the, the, the yeah. regret factor is usually there, especially if you're on the road a lot, you know, it becomes kind of your, your diet in a way, right. If, if, if you're well, just stuck. Exactly. And then, well, the fun part is too, like, especially like if you've been on like road trips and stuff and you're like, and you're a fan of jerky, you always go to these like small, like, mom and pop kind of stores and you're like okay cool they've got a clear plastic bag with some local smokehouse or some local yeah. some local brand where you're like this is awesome like why is this but again there's like no distribution factor in it it's like it's made by the close like little production facility down the road they have no dreams of scaling up or they don't have the the means to at that point either and so uh, i was like well this is great stuff why is there no like blending of like great marketing with this great product yet there's like all these like super cheap options um, out there, like how do we kind of blend those two ideas was always the was always the pull for me. Gotcha. I like that. Where do you start though? I guess the the fact that you know what you're doing and you've made it, that's obviously a huge portion of it that can give you the confidence that, hey, been there, done that. But where where do you start from there? Because I hear you just talking about the production facility and you're like, wow, I you know I'm not even thinking. I have I'd have no clue where to start. So how how did you get your start? No, there? I <laughs> I didn't either. I was just dumb enough to keep knocking on some people's doors. So I was like I was like, okay, well this course me being super naive i was like oh this can't be like that difficult like i can i'm somewhat proficient with design stuff and like i got some buddies that were really good so they kind of helped me out i had some vision for that so literally i started i was like okay how, how do i find someone to talk to so i literally just i literally just pulled every pulled the phone book and just started went down the list i was like I circled i circled austin first circled travis county and anybody that had a smokehouse or a commercial kitchen with commercial dehydrators or even commercial smokers i was like because i can do that I was like, are you willing to make a private label jerky? Are you willing to co-pack? Are you willing to start asking the questions like, hey, how do we do this? Um, most of the time it's like, hell no, we're not doing that. <laughs> like, we're, no, we're, we're too busy. We make sausage. We, do, we focus on this. We focus on bacon. Um, luckily, I linked up with some really cool guys out in Elgin who actually own a commercial facility, and they've got a brand of their own um, who actually had commercial kitchen space, and they had like 15 – commercial dehydrators. Again, these are not, this is a small time production facility. And it's not, this is not a full USDA production facility. This is just a true commercial kitchen. And they said, Hey, if you're willing to source the meat, if you've got the spices and you're willing to bring us kind of everything you've got, we can help you like essentially do like the larger operations. So we started, I got with them. They taught me a ton just as far as all the different regulations that go into it, kind of what sanitation licensing, like different thresholds we're trying to look at. But again, when you're in a commercial kitchen and you're talking a meat-based product, you really, you don't really live under like the cottage laws that everyone talks about for farmer's markets. You kind of live in like this weird, like secondary space, uh, which is there's like heavy regulation into it. But as long as you're doing everything right, at the commercial kitchen, you can do it. 
Uh, but again, you can only sell direct to consumer. You can't sell to any retailer. So our only really option was we could only really do the farmer's market. You can't sell to any retailer at that point. Um, so I was like, okay, let's do it. And we basically did the first couple runs. I ordered a ton of different bags. I basically made, we were hand stamping and hand sticker and everything. I say we, it was me and my dog at the time. Um, I was hand stamping, hand stamping, hand sticker. And I found like a local print shop that was able to make up some really cool stamps to kind of measure them out versus the bags. Uh, yeah, there was a website called Open Tip that was basically has all these different bag options that are shipping from all these different manufacturers overseas. And I happened to have this really cool like craft paper one with a window that I had not really seen out there. The blending of the idea was always like single vineyard wine, like single barrel bourbon, like hand stamp, hand sign kind of deal. Uh, and let's try the farmer's market for a while. So we did the farmer's market for the first year working with those guys scaled up to a little bit to almost 500 pounds a month, which was far more than I ever expected. But as we all know, it gets, gets a little hot down here in Austin and doing the farmer's market in July is not a, it's not a fun game. Um, so at that same time, I started kind of you know, to get to, to get to the retail space, which is truly where the growth and kind of the scalability with something like this is. I started I kind of did what I did the year, the whole year before I started just calling around to every USDA facility and I started, started with Travis County. Cause now I kind of knew the questions I needed to ask. What is, okay. What kind of, do you have this license? Do you have this, do you have this capability? Do you have these type of slicers? Do you have a million different things? And then with that came this whole different litany of things that I didn't realize I needed to know. <laughs> Which is like at that part, I felt like I was like, okay, well, I've already learned this so far. Let's learn it at the USDA, the true federal level. Um, I actually met a couple out of Longview, uh, Texas, which was crazy. I was having to drive down there on a Friday afternoon. They were willing to talk to me. They were super, super helpful to me. I mean, they were like, here's what you need to know. Here's the thresholds. Here's the metrics. Here's basically your safety plans that you're going to need to put in place. Like, here's the true things to run a commercial to run a commercial product like this at a USDA scale, they were like, we can totally run this. But logistically, I was like, I don't know how, I don't know how I'm going to make this work running at this level, trying to drive two and a half, three hours to Longview once a week to pick up product, much less get stuff there. It just, it didn't conceptually, it still didn't make sense to me. I didn't, it was too small at the time. Um, so I kept like, I kept doing the farmer's market, kept working the commercial kitchens, kind of kept, in my free time, I was like, all right, I got an hour or two. Let's just, let's circle a couple more counties outside a little further and keep drawing that circle. Um, I ended up actually circling back to a place here in Travis County uh, that this new owner had taken over. He's like, man, I'd love to help you out. Let's do it. And so again, we kind of started, it was like back to square one at that point, we started running some production samples at that point the USDA facilities, you have to pay for a full USDA inspector's salary that's on site at all times. You're doing listeria testing. You're doing all these different tests at all times to make sure to truly dial in that quality, to make sure you're, you're good to go. At the same time, too, you're monitoring moisture contents. You have to basically, there's certain guidelines that the USDA puts in place to monitor meat-based products that you have to adhere to and log and, and log and track and send out to food scientists to make sure, hey, you're doing everything right much less it's a shelf-stable product. Um, so we, uh, working with those guys, they were, again, it was like, it's kind of just like blessing in disguise. They, you, you kind of find the people when you need to, it seems like, with something like this, because 
there's a lot of really big facilities you can find. Um, and I started calling some of those and like, yeah, we'll do it. We'd love to co-pack your stuff. It's a 20,000 pound minimum month order. I was like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Started, started crunching the numbers on that. And I was like, well, the meat alone is going to burn out. It's going to burn out the next two years of budget. So that's not going to work. Um, but yeah, so luckily we were kind of able to transition from the commercial facility from, with them. We ordered all the bags fully, fully printed at that point. So we didn't have to, we have to, we didn't have to stamp anymore, which is great. We could kind of transition away from the farmer's market. Cause again, it's a little bit tapped out at that point. It was just not, it was great margins, but it's not, it's not sustainable in the long term with a product like this. Um, and so we scaled up with them for the basically the last two years. Uh, slowly kind of moving up every month. Uh, and then kind of everything hit the fan last, last March as well. We were kind of, we were also maxing out with their capabilities. Their big, their big business is in deer processing and they probably make 90% of the sausage for a lot of the barbecue restaurants around town. So they've got like 50 different blends. Like, again, that's their information to share. It's not, I'm not going to share their, the, the secret sauce and their recipes. Um, but they were like, Hey, we just can't, this is a very time consuming product. Like we're, we're going to have to find another place. And at that point I knew, all right, we need to kind of expand again, look for a true second facility that can, that we can grow with and try and put this into a regional national level. That's great. Yeah, no, I love the farmer's market for, you can kind of get your proof of concept, make sure that, you know, like you were saying, it's successful margins are good, but it's a tough way to scale and it's, it's laborious uh, and it's, it's hot. <laughs> a lot of those times um oh yeah so but, yeah no but what a great place to be able to test that proof of concept uh, i like the fact that you just you went for it you're curious and you're like hey on a couple in longview to <laughs> driving up there to get advice yeah and, you know they they probably saw the passion in you that they probably had as well and said hey you know people probably helped them along the way too and you're gonna help someone down the road you know it's just paying it forward it's funny uh, yeah comes together i applaud you for that because uh, i think a lot of people would have just quit um so that's, that's <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's many times of that don't get me wrong it was always great because i could pick up the phone and call her and she's like she would always be like well sean if you just want to come down here she's like you get some investors you can buy the whole place i'll, I'll set you up i was like well like tell me the price and i was like well, I definitely don't have that kind of money and I'm not moving to Longview, but I appreciate that. <laughs> I don't know if that scared me off or kept me going at that point. That's that's great. So, okay. So interesting to see all the regulations, not surprising, good thing. Um, but when you're starting a business uh, challenge for sure. Um, so you were able to sell direct to uh, consumers, but then because of uh, the ability working with kind of the, the regulations that you adhere to, you're able to go into retail that, right? Yep. Fully, okay. fully retail. So yeah, so that's really where, and that's truly the growth aspect there because without the retail component, I mean, it's, it's a hard, it's hard. I mean, we've been, the e-commerce has been really good. We're getting ready to launch the subscription-based model, which has been kind of like, like that. a slow burn for us just because uh, we want to make it like super right. And I'm like such a, I'm such a nerd when it comes to the design stuff. I'm like, we're not just throwing this in a bag and like calling it once a month. It's got to like be fully developed out an idea. Uh, but the e-commerce has been great to us. And that's really kind of where our next focus lies at. Um, my girlfriend is huge into, into the marketing side. She's always like, just give me a budget. She's like, I will, I can help push this stuff. And I'm like, we're just not like, I'm not even ready to even look at that, but that's truly, that's like the, 
it's like this truly untapped resource because when we, when I let her kind of control some of that, which we just, just kind of started really letting her run free with it over the last few months. And it's, it's amazing the returns that we see just with some, some true dollars behind it. But again, it was like, you have to have the content and all that stuff there. And so we've been trying to run all the content like once a quarter and that we kind of, we're a little bit behind on that right now, just do, but we got some shoots and stuff lined up now. So we'll be back pushing that really heavily. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, I love the, love the bag. I've been fortunate. A friend of mine, uh, let me try it um, last year. And I was like, this is great. Love the bag. It's got, you know, if you go look at the website, uh, I think that's your signature down there or somebody's signature on the bag. Yeah, that was, that's, that's, yeah, that's my signature on there. I was like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to at least put my signature on it. I like that. And it does remind me, obviously being from, from Kentucky, you, you know, you, you think the the bourbon, right. And, and uh, just yeah. the kind of same concept. Um, no, I really, really like that. It, it adds a lot to it. There's a story behind that. Um, and much less ingredients on there. You can look at that and say, Hey, you know, this is, uh, this is really as natural as it can get. I mean, I'm just reading the website and you know, how, how simple can be, you know, meat and heat. I just really like the story behind it. It's, it's nice to, be able to trace that and um, know what you, know what you're eating. It's not it's not gas station jerk jerky by, by any no, means. Well, that's the craziest part is like I don't know what like these nitrates and all stuff is. I'm like I talk to the food scientist. I'm like, so what does this one do? She's like, well, this one hold this one makes sure it binds together. When you look at like, and this is always like the funny part too, because like you look at, I'd say probably ninety percent of the jerkies that are out there in the market that you're going to see every day. Most of those are going to be like a press ground beef based product. Like they're literally, it's literally pressed ground beef made to look like it's like whole muscle roast cuts that kind of came in vague. Like, I guess like late 80s, early nineties with like the slim gyms, kind of those like meat snacks of the world. Um, but it's really like low quality meat in my opinion. I mean, it's, there's, there's a time and a place in the consumer for everything. Do not get me wrong. I mean, most yeah. people, but most people also assume like, all right, jerky is 699 on a shelf. It's like, yes, but that too because of basically it's, pre- it's ground beef. I mean, ground beef is significantly cheaper than an Angus roast cut. So we're talking, that's the real differentiator there. Yeah, no, no, that definitely makes sense. So uh, are you in um, Austin area only? Or are you throughout Texas? I know you said uh, over a hundred accounts at this yeah, point. So, so, re- so right now it's basically all South Texas that we're in. It's mostly bars, breweries, and golf courses, which has been great. The brewery community here in Austin has been Hey, who would hey, beer and salty snacks is an easy perfect match. Tends to be an yeah. easy sell. Yeah, it's been really, really good. And then we've got some great bar accounts as well. Um, plays with food trucks, but those food trucks might close early. If you've got a chip clip on the wall, you got a concession stand, like that's our bread and butter. Uh, golf courses have been awesome to us, especially like on the carts, because you go to a lot of those golf courses, it's like, all right, well, we got. We got cheese it's we got like cheese crackers and uh maybe maybe a hot dog maybe maybe a steam yeah. bun uh so those have been anytime i think that people can you give them the ability to kind of buy something they can connect with or buy something that they say oh i know these ingredients like i know this this is a cool different product it's so much better and the margins are still there again it's a little higher price don't get me wrong it's a true premium based product mm-hmm. but the quality is in that bag and that's what that's what the fun part is yeah, for sure. And so service in Texas there, but uh, this may be a dumb question, but you can uh, e-commerce lower 48 or lower 48. We've actually done some. So there's like the, the rules with international shipping get a little weird. I sent some friends in Canada, but uh, yeah, we're not supposed <laughs> to send, you're not supposed to send meat products across the, across the border. So that was, uh, 
They, they took it over there themselves. I didn't send it. Um, but yeah, all over 48. Our second production facility is actually in Louisville, Kentucky, where I'm originally from. So I've actually, I've like activated my dad a little bit. So he started to get all of his buddies and his little local watering holes. I've got him like, I've got him set up on invoicing. I've got, he's like, and he's, he's loving it now. It's like his little, he's like, all right, he's like, I'll, I'll push this all myself. I can do it. I'm like, all right. It's like selling Girl Scout cookies for now. And we're just now <laughs> starting to push into larger distributors and larger retail accounts. Um, but again, too, it's when we moved into this new production facility, it's all about like scaling up. So we had to order all new bags. I mean, we had to order, we went from a top fill, fully craft paper bag to now it's a full bottom fill so we can fill on a true assembly line. The current, like I said, we were maxing out about a little over a thousand pounds with our, with our local manufacturing plant here. Mm-hmm. Our new manufacturing plant, they basically give us carte blanche. If you can, if you can scale up to 200,000 pounds, you're good to go. Um, if we look at other kind of real like metric based brands that I kind of look at and try and emulate across the board. Um, most of them, they'll start very similarly in kind of one, one single location with the USDA facility. But then again, you eventually have to move to these larger scale USDA facilities. There's not a ton of them that are doing large scale co-packing, which is what we're looking at, especially for meat based products um, that are willing to work as like a co-packer or a private labeler, if you will. Uh, so yeah, we found that one there. There's another really big one in Houston that we had kind of approached initially. Uh, but I had kind of met these guys going back home, just talking with them a bunch. And they were like, we'll give you a runway, man. You don't have to scale up to kind of our minimums just yet. Our minimums are hefty. Don't get me wrong. Um, and we're getting there. But this is only, we're just now on our second production run with those guys. So it's been fun. It's been, now it's truly, it's, there was a little bit of lull period just with the ongoing global pandemic, if you will. Yeah. Um, which that kind of, that hampered us. We were out of stock for about four months there. Uh, but it allowed us to kind of focus on, let's truly get this other facility up and running. Let's get all the things we need in place. Cross the T's and dot the I's. I mean, getting these new bags, that's a whole, that t- tends to be like a three month process before you get to the order place. <laughs> that's, uh, but we got in there now, so it's been fun. I like that. Yeah, no, well, I'm sure that tastes very good with a little bourbon. And I've also heard from, uh, couple entrepreneurs that their parents tend to be the uh, the best salespeople for them because they're going out there. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, it's okay. kind of like uh, CrossFit, you know, they're, they're telling everybody about it and it's, it's just, you know, they want to talk about their evangelist for it. So that always, I, I love hearing that and you can obviously trust them. So it's always good to have them out there yeah, exactly. doing work for you. Um, yeah, no, I mean, you, you touched on the pandemic there and I like how, um, you know, you, you saw opportunity in it, you know, it wasn't going away that things were at a halt and, Hey, let's pivot. Let's go do here. Um, because obviously that was, that was a tough time. Um, I, I guess from an e-commerce standpoint in the pandemic, um, when things got back to, to normal and they were able to start fulfilling again, um, did, I mean, I, I would think that would almost be a good with e-commerce just shooting up. That would probably be a good thing for your business, right? It was, well, that was, it's a funny, it's actually a really funny thing because it was actually a great thing to start off with. So that, and then I'm sure it's, not to be taken lightly in any way, yeah. but with, with the initial kind of slowdown and before, before everything really went to like full shutdown, they were making all these bars, all these breweries, you had to serve, you had to serve some food item. Yeah. So we were getting, we literally in those first few months, we were tripling up our orders with our usual customers exponentially because they were having to put something on the table. They wanted to put something quality down. That wasn't just a bag of potato chips. 
Um, and so it was like, we were like, oh my God, like this is going to blow us out. And then as everything kind of continued to evolve in that situation, the production fully shut down. And again, the USDA keeps such a tight lockdown on that. If they even, if one person was even exposed, anybody that was even working that time. So we went on our, on our localized production facility, we went to it's usually a team of about 25 people on the floor doing everything across the board from the start to the bagging to like the boxing to everything um, down to three people on the floor. It's whoever it was running. We were running ghost shifts. And then when they've got 19 other products that they're trying to run against that, it's yeah, we're getting pushed to the back real quick there. So we had to take that for what it was and say, we'll, we'll get as much product as we can. Um, we'll kind of focus directly to the e-commerce side. But again, we had to turn that off for, for four months there because it was just not, with the reopening of everything kind of slowly, but surely now it's been, it's been a godsend because now we're essentially putting out, it's the same bag. It's a little bit different as far as uh, just feel and stuff like that, but the reception's been great. I mean, that's, that's truly where our lifeblood is. Nice. Nice. I like, uh, I like that. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I really admire how you've uh, weathered the storm over the almost four years here. I've certainly been throwing some curveballs, and I really like how you uh, openness to learn and just, just jump in. Um, any parting words or advice, maybe books you've read, podcasts you listen to just to entrepreneurs. I mean, um, you know, just the, the invaluable, uh, you know, can't substitute anything for experience, right. For four years, yeah. anything you could, you could tell your, your, uh, yourself four years ago, uh, that, that would maybe help, uh, yeah. help you out or put you at ease don't, a little bit better. Yeah. Don't do a meat-based product. There's too much regulation. <laughs> don't ever do it again. <laughs> With that said, I'm, I'm more than down to answer any questions I ever can on that one. But yeah, definitely, there's there's so much more regulation on that. And I think that finding people in that sense who have A, done something or are willing to kind of teach you on that, that was the most invaluable lesson I had. If I didn't have, if I didn't meet some of the people along the way, which is willing to say, will you talk to me? Like, I'm, I'm willing to listen. I'm willing to take notes. Just tell me. Um, we definitely couldn't have gotten here. That's, that's the hardest thing. I think too, um, yeah, knowing, knowing kind of the level of packaging cost is crazy to me because that's when we, as we kind of continue to scale, you have to realize like, it's a, you're basically putting up your money for the first, for the first year, year and a half and say, all right, we have to be willing to sell. We have to be willing to sell all this. We have to be willing to say, this is what we're going to do. We're going to work with. We're not going to buy anything else until we get through this cost. Um, because again, it's up front, but again, once it's paid off, you're, you're, you're cruising there. So I think that packaging is a crazy, it's a crazy, crazy game. That's always a lot when I enjoy talking about, cause I had learned quite a bit in that sector. As far as books and stuff go, man, I, I consume too much content as is. I need to consume less content. Uh, actually with the pandemic, I've been reading a bunch of these newsletters. I found all these like cool newsletters that you ever heard of, uh, like my first million, like Sam Parr. So he does, uh, he does one, I think it's called the, not, no, it's called, uh, I think it's the huddle or the hustle, the hustle. That's what it was. Sam yeah, Parr, you said? Yeah, Sam Parr. So he does a newsletter called the hustle. And then he puts out a podcast now called my first million, which I really like. He interviews like kind of like medium to small tier guys. The newsletter is awesome though. He puts out a couple times, maybe once a week, twice a week, usually, but it really just highlights a lot of the things that you're kind of seeing in the news as far as, he was talking a ton about like SPACs for a while or like kind of anybody talking NFTs. Like let's talk this, let's talk blockchain. Let's talk 
I'm so fascinated with the internet and how like the finance world goes. Cause that's kind of where my, my head always leans and like where my interests go, that it's, he breaks it down really well. It's very consumable. Um, and the podcasts are great. It's, I love that. I've read all the fun books, but that's, that's the fun one I've been listening to lately. I really enjoy that. Um, other than that, it's just a bunch of fantasy golf stuff and, and talking about <laughs> talking about DraftKings and gambling. So it's uh, yeah, it's, hey, I don't yes. know if that's what we need to talk. Sometimes about. you got hey, you know, I I think I was telling you, but uh, I had one entrepreneur say I'm not trying to read any anything. I'm trying to forget about work. So it's sometimes it's yeah, it's good to do those things when you're driving around, you know, South Texas and uh, on 35 or yeah. you know the back roads, uh, having a little stuff we don't have to think too hard, uh, I think is a, is a good yeah. thing. So. The book, the one book I will say, the one book that I'm reading right now that I like a lot is Essentialism. So it's by a guy named, uh, I think it's McKinnon. Uh, but it's basically like, hey, it's really about like distilling down your whole, your whole kind of concept of like business and life down to like the most essential, the truly most essential thing. So do you like, are you occupying your time or are you moving like the, the needle forward? Uh, that's a really fun one that I've enjoyed lately. Again, it's like, it's like, all right, I've had to take these lessons to heart more than ever. Like that's, that's yeah. the hard part about these books. I'll read them. I'm like, I'll take it to heart for two weeks. And then I'm like, Oh, man, I need to kind of refocus on those again. It's hard to sustain, but yeah, no, it's, I like that move the needle. I use that term all the time. Cause that's really what it is. Are we, are we going in the right direction? Right. Uh, if not, we need to stop yeah. and figure out how do we get back into that? So no, that's, that's good. I always try to ask entrepreneurs, uh, you know, selfishly for myself and obviously for those who listen as well, cause um, you know, certain ones certainly click with you and, um, influence you for sure. So now I appreciate you saying that. Um, so yeah, reminder, uh, you can find them at ogbeefjerky.com and on social media. And the good news is even if you don't live in the Austin area or in Texas, you can still go to the website and you can purchase it, uh, in lower 48, as we mentioned. Um, and so, yeah, uh, Sean, uh, really appreciate, uh, your time reminder. You can listen to it on iTunes, SoundCloud, and at the founders community, Sean, I uh, will have to have you, uh, come out to the party here in uh, October, you know, fingers crossed, COVID willing, um, but uh, to meet the rest of the entrepreneurs, but this is a lot of fun for me, man. I appreciate you coming on. No doubt, man. I appreciate you, dude. It's been great. Need to do this more. Awesome. It's always, I'm like, I always like talking to this. Awesome. Awesome. I'm so taking your here. brain. <laughs> All cool. right, man. We'll talk to you soon.